Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Just remember, when you eat as much garlic as Doug does, you are definitely all natural. He is ready to get going today. Lots to get to a great guest, Mrs. Know-It-All, and a chance for you to phone in as well. But let's begin, as we always do, by giving you an opportunity to take home a $25 gift certificate from Randy and Company, the great folks at Sorgles out in Wexford. So if you are the 10th caller at 412-922-1020, you're going to get a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. So here he is, all natural, Doug Oster. Just started raining when I came in, and guess who washed his car this morning? <laughs> At 3.35 in the morning, I was down over the hill, and I said, you know what? I'm going to kick some of the dirt off. And I figured it would rain, but that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Mother okay. Nature. Believe it or not, I uh, planted bulbs yesterday. <laughs> I, I still have bulbs to plant. I have never planted bulbs this late. I think it'll be fine. It's all daffodils. I still have a couple hundred more to do. Maybe today, if the rain holds off, we'll see. But if you did buy some bulbs like me and you didn't get them in the ground, these kind of temperatures, you have nothing to lose by putting them in because you're probably not going to be able to keep them over uh, until spring. So I'm getting them in the ground. Yes, uh, uh, like Rob said, after the first break, we'll hear from Jenny Rose Carey. She's the author of The Ultimate Flower Gardener's Guide, How to Combine Shape, Color, and Texture to Create the Garden of Your Dreams. Then after that, as usual, we'll talk to Mrs. Know-It-All, and boy, she is ready. She's got a rant going about all the stuff she sees on the Internet that is wrong, <laughs> all these crazy hacks and stuff they put on there. I will be on Pittsburgh Today Live tomorrow morning talking all about how to get your uh, spring Shrubs to bloom indoors, and today we should start off talking pruning because this is uh, the time to prune your most of your deciduous trees, but we always have to be careful about pruning, uh, first off, with spring bloomers. And so, so many spring bloomers already have buds on, hydrangeas, azaleas, rhododendrons, uh, Japanese pieris, dogwood. Uh, so before you do any pruning, be sure you know how your this plant blooms, uh, because you don't want to be pruning off the buds, uh, hence the flowers in the spring. And this is the only time that we can prune oaks and elms. And it's just, it's critical. Uh, you know, this is something we've learned from our friends from Davy Tree. You can't touch that oak tree during uh, current growth or when it's, when it's during the season. It has to be, has to be dormant because of the possibility of oak wilt. And for elms, it's Dutch elm disease. And so... Uh, you know, you don't have a lot to do in the garden this time of the year. And so this is a time to take a look at your shrubs and trees and see how they're looking, especially uh, deciduous trees or shrubs that are later blooming. Uh, and also, what, is, what does deciduous mean, Doug? It just means it drops its leaves. you got okay. evergreen and deciduous. <clears throat> and you got a, a tree like Dawn Redwood, which looks like an evergreen, but it's a deciduous conifer. So it's actually a conifer, but it drops its needles. Okay. Does that clear everything up? I'm still trying to figure out what deciduous when is. When fall that's... comes okay, that's... And, and those colors, you see the colors? Right. 
red, right. golden, yellow. Yeah, right. yeah, it's beautiful. Those are deciduous trees. Now I know. So this fall, I'm going to impress somebody. Say, look, the deciduous trees are out. And then what is, if it's not deciduous, what's the It opposite? begins with a C, but I can't remember. No, no, that's conifer. Evergreen. Evergreen. Evergreen never drops its needles. That's why it's evergreen. Exactly. <laughs> it's Voila. Like, when we worked at the newspaper, you'd pitch an idea, and then you'd say, and it's evergreen, too. You know, it's never going to go away. You could just keep it out on the website. Well, it's like evergreen. When we, we do certain shows that are pre-recorded, they're evergreen. Yeah. Right. Ah, see? see? Yeah. Okay. Good. You learn something every week. (laughs) Now, where was I? Oh, yes, pruning, pruning. Uh, I go around and cut off all the grapevines that are growing up on the trees and such right now. But uh, again, the Davy guys told me you can do it now, but also take a look early in the spring. If you miss one, you'll see it early on that the grape leaves are just like going nuts on it. So. Uh, grapes and honeysuckles and other vines, I'm cutting those all down, uh, trying to get some things going, yeah, some gardening stuff going. As I said, uh, it, it was fun to put 200 bulbs in yesterday, and I, gosh, I hope I get that job done by the uh, time it gets really cold again. Also, I went out and took some uh, just dried flower arranging, uh, took some grasses and some hydrangeas, and just cut them. You put them in a vase without any water in them, and they look pretty. I leave my grasses up. I I, I love them like that when they're, uh, you know, kind of blown in the wind. It's good for the birds too. You know that some of those grasses are dropping seeds. Some have these hollow stems that are good for the beneficial bugs. So we just leave them up. And this is the time to also take a look out there for plants with winter interest. So you can think about what you want to plant. So you have something in bloom right now and. In my garden, oh, witch hazel has just started to bloom, and I have a variety called Diana. And so instead of the yellow flowers, they're not as big, but they're pretty spectacular. They're red. And so that's blooming. Uh, When I think of winter interest, I also think a lot of the bark. You know, there's one plant, and it's not grown very often. Uh, I I did see one at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden, and we were doing a walking tour, and it wasn't that plant wasn't on the tour, but when I saw it blooming, it blooms at the end of the season, I said, oh, let's go over and take a look at that. And it's called Heptacodium. Uh, seven Sunflower, I think, is the common name. Seven Sun? Yeah, I think that's what it is. And it's it's a shrub tree, you know, multi-stem, but it has this kind of really light brown Again, exfoliating bark where it looks it looks like a paper bark maple. It just you're, the bark is kind of flailing off, but it has these great uh, white flowers in the fall that turn red. Uh, very easy to grow, and again, people aren't growing a lot of them. You know, when I also when I'm thinking about winter interest, I was thinking paper paper bark maples, and then there's one I always talk about. It's called stewardias. Uh, I love stewardias. They have they have that kind of mottled bark, kind of a grayish, really cool. But this tree has flowers in June of great shape, doesn't get super big, and those flowers, they look kind of like uh, peonies. And it's just, it's a great tree. They put a bunch of them. There's a garden at uh, Phipps Garden Center, not the conservatory, the garden center at Fifth and Shady. Behind that building, there's a, a garden called the Walled Garden. It's actually in Mellon Park, but it's behind uh, Phipps Garden Center. And they have uh, a whole two big rows of stewardias there. 
if you ever wanted to see what one looked like. But, uh, you know, I got one in my garden. I, I love it. Uh, if you look at, uh, at Phipps, in the front of Phipps, just shrub after shrub of winterberry with these beautiful orange berries. You know, oak leaf hydrangeas have a beautiful cinnamon exfoliating bark and great fall color. Uh, shagbark hickories. So just this, this is the time to look at the bones of the garden, poke around, see what's working, what isn't, um, see things with winter interest so you can put them on your list. Part of this whole gardening is planning. And this is the time to do the planning. You know, I'm, I'm making a drawing in my vegetable garden to see what's going to go where. Uh, you know, I, I know what the sun conditions are in each bed. I know what I had last year in the bed. So we're rotating things. And there's no sense in me buying a bunch of seeds if I don't have room in the garden uh, for the plants. So I want to know what's growing where. And, uh, you know, it just... It's fun to plan. <laughs> that's, that's the fun part of, of, of gardening. Uh, the same is true not just for the vegetable garden, but the flower garden too. Taking a look at different, you know, right now we have time to do this. We can take a look around. We're poke, poking around, you know, oh, that holly bush did great there. Or it's really struggling there. I'm going to have to move that in the spring. And just making a list uh, and taking a look at it and figuring this out before we get to, you know, before you know it, even though it's January before you know it, we're going to be going crazy with our planting and getting seeds started and all that. So these are the jobs that I'm doing this time of the year. All right, tell them who's coming up after the break. It's Jenny Rose Carey, author of The Ultimate Flower Gardener's Guide, How to Combine Shape, Color, and Texture to Create a Garden of Your Dreams. I met her in Baltimore at this trade show called Mance, and I did a bunch of interviews there. I think you're going to like this when we come back. We'll be back with Doug Oster, DougOster.com. This is the Organic Gardener, part of that Sunday morning lineup right here on KDKA. Good morning. We are back. Doug Oster, DougOster.com, the Organic Gardener. Recently, he made a trip to Baltimore, and he recorded a lot of great interviews. And here's the first of many right now on KDKA. Well, back at Mance for another interview, I ran into Jenny Rose Carey, the author of The Ultimate Flower Gardener's Guide, Welcome to the show, and good morning. Thank you very much. Well, this is an amazing book, and I actually, I'm so glad I ran into you because I actually have the book. Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm glad you have it. And I love the book, and tell me first your inspiration for writing this. So my previous book was Glorious Shade, also for Timber Press about five years ago, and everywhere I went and gave lectures, everyone said, can you do the same for sun and tell me how to grow, you know, flowers in sun? So that's that's the, the sort of genesis of it. And to be honest, um, I was working for the Pennsylvania Horticulture Society uh, prior to the pandemic, and I saw how everyone was growing vegetables, and I'm like, won't they want some flowers with their vegetables? And so I pitched this idea, and here that's, we are. That's an interesting point, because in my garden, I always mix the vegetables and the flowers. But I had a friend come over, and he said, you can't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't do that? Vegetables go here, flowers go here. Talk a little bit about interspersing flowers with your veggies. Come on, you got to do oh, it, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's interesting. Rules. We didn't know yes, the rules, yes, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, I grew up in England, as you can probably tell from my accent, and in English cottage gardens, which is what we had, everything, you've only got a limited amount of space. So everything is uh, muddled up together. And what it does is bring the pollinators in for all of your crops and 
you know, you haven't got a monoculture. So as we know, if you mix things up, it confuses. If you have uh, insects that are looking for your brassicas or whatever, they might get sidetracked, you hope. On the cover of the book, it says how to combine shape, color, and texture to create a garden of your dreams. I'm bad at that. Oh, I'm bad at that. You have to school me on that. So what I have done is, I mean, it's, it. you know, we all love to grow flowers. And to be honest, I don't think any flowers look particularly bad together. I just love them all. Um, I do love them packed in in that sort of cottage garden style, however, and, uh, you know, no bare soil or anything like that. But what I found when I was putting this book together is that many people do have that sort of problem about more of the design. And so well, that's where I'm at. The yeah. design part, I feel completely yeah. so, lost. So, uh I had the pandemic and I have a lovely shout out to my lovely head gardener, Hannah von Schlegel, who is my partner in crime in the garden. Um, so we really analyzed how we do it at Northview, which is our garden outside Ambler, in Ambler, Pennsylvania, um, and worked out what we do to get it. So starting with shape. So looking at the shapes of the flowers. And most people can agree that if you have different types of shape in your flower garden, it looks good together. Where everyone disagrees is color. And then we get into that thing. That's why I, I, color is lost. Well, I want to get into the color because it's like, you know, I can remember, what was it that came up? Something came up pink in front of something chartreuse. And I thought it was great, but I was alone in that. Oh, but you're allowed to have your own. Well, look at the color of the book. Oh, that's true. That's true. It's chartreuse. I actually, I, I mean, you know, I'm probably a pink lady myself, but, you know, um, but each their own on that. And there's no, like your friend was saying, don't grow your veggies and your flowers together. Who cares? I mean, grow whatever color flowers you like to, together. But it's just sort of breaks down the principles of design in a non-jargonistic sort of way is what I've tried to do. And tell me some of your favorite flowers. Oh, foxgloves. <laughs> I have foxgloves on the cover. Um, I, I like the good old-fashioned flowers, uh, you know, peonies, irises, easy to grow. I love marigolds. I love zinnias. You know, I love snowdrops right now. Oh, you brought up snowdrops, my yeah. absolute. I just posted something about snowdrops that just came up in my garden that were a gift from somebody who has passed away. Oh. So, you know, that connection that you have with that flower is so special. And that is also what I talk about in the book is what brings you joy. Plant more of that, divide those, have more of those and find their relatives, find things, you know, more different snowdrops. But that, like I call it a friendship garden, a garden of memories. You know, it's it's really important part of gardening. When you wrote the book, tell me a little bit about what you want like gardeners to get out of spending time with this book. And I'm telling you, I got it right in front of me. Not only is it informative, it is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Oh, and then we have to talk about daffodils. But okay. what do you want people to get out of this? So book? I really, so I'm a teacher. My background is teaching. Um, I feel like as an educator, I really want people to educate themselves about gardening and find more joy in what they're doing and just find their passions in gardening. Uh, reach out to fellow gardeners, talk about gardening, live gardening, you know, basically addict, probably like you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
daffodils. Yeah. I am a daffodil fanatic. Where I grew up in Cleveland, they have a thing there at a cemetery where my grandparents are buried. And I tell the story all the time called Daffodil Hill. And visiting there as a seven-year-old, I looked behind me. I saw those daffodils. And I've since then just been obsessed with daffodils. When I moved to this current garden, I told my mom, I'm break, making my own daffodil hill in memory of my grandparents. Tell me about your daffodil obsession. Um, I think it probably started at a young age as well. I mean, there's such an easy plant to grow. I mean, you put them in the ground and they pop up and then they multiply. And if they're happy and, you know, it's it's just uh, rewarding. And as you say, deer don't eat them. I mean, the young ones might nibble them occasionally, but, you know, basically most of them are still there. Um, what I love about them is, you know, you talked about snow, we talked about snowdrops, but when it comes time for spring, you need that burst of energy. It's a symbol of new life. How much poetry has been written about daffodils? I mean, um, my youngest daughter in particular is absolutely obsessed with daffodils. I mean, it's just a, it's a, I just love them. And I love the, I love the heirloom historic ones as well. And we both have a love for twin sisters. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. What's the best way for people to connect with you and best way to get the book? So the book is available. Go, I, I say, go to your local bookshops if you can find those things there. Amazon, all of the Barnes and Noble, all of those have it. Um, I uh, have Instagram Jenny at Jenny Rose Carey and at Northview Garden, and I have a website site JennyRoseCarey.com, and um, you know, get in touch with me with there. I have a, a monthly email newsletter. I love old books. I love, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of things, probably all the same things as your listeners. Thank you very much for spending your morning with us. It was Aww, fun. It's a pleasure. Nice to connect with you. A little spot of tea there. We actually talked a lot about those gardens nice. in uh, England also, since I've been to England a couple of times. I mean, this so. must be like a, a big event worldwide. People from all over at this thing. Oh, oh my gosh. Thousands and thousands of people. But hey, if you'd like to win a copy of that book... The Ultimate Flower Gardener's Guide, How to Combine Shape, Color, and Texture to Create the Garden of Your Dreams. Just go to my website, that's dougoster.com, click on the contact button, and just push, put something in the subject line or in the email saying, I'd love to win the book. And it is really an awesome book. And I do, I do have it, and soon it will be yours. And as you can tell, um, I had a lot of fun talking to Jenny Rose Carey. Her, again, her website is just jennyrosecarey.com. And we, there was a lot of in the interview that I couldn't use that we talked uh, at length about, especially heirloom daffodils. Um, I had told her about this, you know, this place we talk about all the time, Joe Ham's Daffodil Hortus down in Washington. And she, you know, she's over in Ambler, PA, which is, you know, Philadelphia area. But she says that when she comes to Pittsburgh uh, that uh, she's going to take a look at, uh, hopefully take a look at that, uh, that garden uh, and see those daffodils. All right, what are we going to do when we come back? It's all callers. So you know what to do. If you got a gardening question, indoors or out, whatever you may be doing, one seed at a time, or planning how many seeds you're going to be planting this spring garden season, you need to call us. All of our lines are available. Call now. Get a question in for Doug. 866-391-1020.
All right, we are back. Tenth caller right now wins a $25 gift certificate to the Farm Freshness. And the farm, of course, is Janoski's Route 30 in Clinton, 412-922-1020. Mrs. Know-it-all within 10. But right now, it's all of you and Doug answering all of your gardening questions, 866-391-1020. Greg North Hills wants to talk Princess Holly pruning. Hey, Greg, good morning. Welcome to KDKA. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, Doug, Last year, and I think I did it at a reasonable time, but I did some research in terms of pruning this holly. Uh, it had gotten out of control, so I, I pruned it pretty severely. But the uh, the issue right now is that it's, it's dropping a, an awful lot of leaves. Uh, is this due to the weather that we've had? Yeah. Uh, what can I do to, to help it survive? Uh so we've seen this a lot when we had that really super cold spell. I I've, I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to that have seen, you know, Holly's just looking awful. Uh, right now, there's nothing we can do. We're just going to have to sit out and, and, you know, I'm only guessing, but I'm just think, thinking that, you know, Holly's are tough as nails. They should bounce back. The, the only thing I would think about doing is when we get to the warm weather, when we get to the end of April into May, feeding feeding the holly a little bit of holly tone. That's a easy-to-find organic fertilizer. You know, hollies, dogwoods, azaleas, rhododendrons, anything that's acid-loving, they love the holly tone. How far did you cut it back, though? That, that was my uh, next question. I saw something on YouTube in terms of, uh, of pruning, and that guy really severely cut it back. I cut it back about a third or so, but I did take a foot or two off the top of it. All right. Well, that's about right. You're not never supposed to take more than a third, so I think you'll be okay. I'll, you know, give it a little bit of fertilizer in the spring, and we'll have we're just gonna have to sit and and see how these plants respond to that cold. There's nothing we can do about it. Thanks so much for your call. All right. Let's keep it going. All right. So we've got Tom in Pittsburgh. Tom, you are on KDKA. How are you? Hi guys, uh, great show. My wife and I uh, listen every uh, every week. Hey, um, my question is: um, I uh, took your advice and I went to Janoski's and got that great garlic, and I've been planting that like three years now. So my question is related to like the real estate. I I don't have a lot of room in my garden, mm-hmm. so I was wondering: is there any companion plants I could plant with garlic, and what can I plant in that? after I harvested in July. So here's what I've been experimenting with on one side. So you plant your garlic in, let's say, October or November. You know, if we go later, it won't sprout. And I've been growing some cool weather crops on top of that. So, you know, already sprouted lettuce, uh, things like that, spinach. You know, I'm trying to get that stuff to overwinter if I can. And then pick it in the spring and the thing about garlic is it, it doesn't like competition and so when we get to the spring when those and it's early in the spring when they start sprouting up we've got to get whatever that crop is that was in there over the winter if it survives out of there as the, the garlic gets going on the other end the sky's the limit uh, as soon as we pull in July for me it's usually beans uh, but it could be beans. It could be coal crops like cabbage and broccoli and things like that. It could be, you know, wait a little bit and put some peas in. Uh, wait a little bit and put some other cool weather crops in. 
And so, yeah, I understand using that space uh, to the, uh, you know, it takes a lot of, that's the hard thing about garlic. It takes that space up from October to July. Uh, but plenty of things you can plant afterwards. And as I said, I've just been experimenting with spring crops over the winter, over the winter on top of those bulbs, and it's worked out pretty well. Uh, yeah, thanks for the advice. I think um, maybe I'll try to cabbage. I uh, make sauerkraut, so maybe that'll help. The only thing that's going to be a, a problem is finding some really nice cabbage plants in July. That's that's the difficult thing because most nurseries don't start bringing that stuff in until later. So if you were so inclined and interested in it, it'd probably be best to start your own cabbage from seed, you know, around end of May, early June, and have some nice-sized transplants to put in there as soon as that garlic comes out. Uh, you know, and you could throw kale in there, too, you know, if, if you eat kale. So uh, I'd like to hear about that, too. Next year, give, give me a call and see how things uh, go when you go in your second crop for the, for the garlic and have a great season with that garlic. You know, I was reading some uh, stories about the beneficial uses of garlic and onions and things of that nature. So literally a lot of this stuff that we talk about has uh, got a lot of health value to it, Doug. Well, certainly with, with, yeah, anything from that family. And I don't really know the science on it. I just know that I eat a lot of garlic and it keeps people away from me. Where I mean, you, it keeps uh, uh, diseases away from where me. I've never seen a vampire in the same room. Yeah. So what <laughs> or are Superman? What are some of no, that's kryptonite? What are some of the um, places that you use garlic in the way of recipes and food that people would not believe it? Everything. Everything. Anything savory gets garlic. Chili stew. Yes. Yes. Potatoes. Yes. <laughs> Spaghetti. Yes. <laughs> Steak. Yes. Okay. Enough said. What else is on started your started when I was a kid, actually, you know. Spam, your mom used it? No, I, I was, you know, my mom cooked real plain. And, you know, she worked se- uh, second shift as a nurse, ER nurse. And I was the, I wanted to cook for everybody. And so I did these crazy things, adding all sorts of spices and stuff and this and that and try to spice up the stuff to make it a little bit different. I mean, it it had to be I garlic the story, powder. I, it was t- garlic powder because you weren't growing garlic. Yeah, right? it was probably garlic salt, actually, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, even yeah. worse. But uh, to tell you how, <laughs> you know, most people say, oh, my gosh, my mom's cooking was so amazing. And uh, for me, when I went away to college, uh, it was uh, I couldn't believe it when the cafeteria opened. I never saw such amazing food in my life. And everybody's like, isn't this food awful? And I'm like, no, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I'll tell you, I love I love the instant mashed potatoes. I loved it all. Manicotti, never saw it before. Yellow gravy. All right, Joe, you're up next on KDK. How you doing, Joe? I'm well. You guys, good. I enjoy the show. Um, I had some tomatoes this past um, year that were given to me, and I don't know the name, and they were bigger than a cherry tomato but smaller than a golf ball. Bottom line, they grew, 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 grew. My question is... And I covered them, and they were still, you know, getting blossoms. If I lived in Florida, do tomatoes grow forever? They do. Okay. So if you had a spot, you, you, could, you could plant tomatoes, have one crop, and keep them for three years if you wanted. As long as it didn't frost, you'd be fine. They go okay. through a cycle, though, just like any other plant. Okay. You know, okay. it'd be a longer cycle down in Florida. But, you know, it's just this flowering, put on fruit. Then, you know, kind of tired, slow down, then back we go again. 
Okay. Uh, and um, the um, so I guess a lot of the tomatoes you buy in the wintertime are probably coming from farms or hothouses where they just have these things planted and they just control them for months and months or years and years. Yeah, I come from either greenhouses, usually down south, and, you know, with a really a really warm southern climate. That's where that's where they come from. Thanks very much for your call. Mrs. Know-it-all on the other side of the break. And coming up after the news at 8, Frank, then TC and I. It's all types of roast from chuck, prime rib, rump roast, pork roast, leg of lamb, and more on the Coons Cooking Hour on your Sunday morning at KDKA. All right, time for the dynamic duo as we get set for another segment of The Organic Gardener on your Sunday morning here at KDK. And part of that duo right now, Doug Oster. Time for Mrs. Know-it-all. That's horticulturist Denise Schreiber. And Denise, uh, we talk during the week you've got lots of stuff on the internet that you can't stand right yeah it makes me crazy and because you know everybody's starting to get itchy fingers and get into planting and you know seed catalogs are out and you know i'm starting to see all the crazy stuff you know and some of these people i'd like to like round up and bury in the garden so they didn't continue spouting these what's the worst uh, what's the worst thing that you see come up every year uh well of course you and i both agreed that it's the mixture for weeds and on dish soap <laughs> up and salts and vinegar etc you know people think i i've even seen it in some garden columns that from people who are not garden gardeners nor are they trained and they don't realize that when you spray this mixture, yeah, you might kill some of the annual weeds, at least top kill them. But when it gets into the soil, it's actually killing beneficial insects and bacteria. So this is not something you want to do. The same with people pouring hot water over them. Again, yeah, it'll kill them, but especially something like Canada thistle, it's going to come back. You know, so just don't. There's Organic weed killers on the market, you can go to any good garden center and just look and tell them what you need, and they can give it to you. Um, I just got this one uh, from a friend who sent it to me, that you take aspirin, your basic bare aspirin, and you can spray it on your crops, and it'll make your crops bigger because somebody tried it once, and they had a good crop that year. <laughs> and now they're like, oh, yes, this is how it works. You have to spray them, you know, and you need an awful lot of aspirin. And there, there's <laughs> all sorts of things on there. You know, the, the minute after you and I talked, uh, some video came up where somebody was sticking like a hot pepper into a banana to germinate the seeds or something. And I was just like, oh, you know, yeah, it's one you know, thing after or, another. Or roses into potatoes. I, you know, it, it, it's mind-boggling. You know, I've seen uh, Pam that, you, you know, spray when you're going to cook something. So spray it on your plants if you have the insect scale. Well, it's not going to smother the scale, which was the thinking behind it, because you can use horticultural oil to do that. But it also clogs the pores on the plants. And if it's a plant especially, you know, unless you're the miracle house cleaner, you're always going to have dust in your house when you walk through the house, and it'll collect and clog the pores and actually fill your house. 
And it's just important to get you know, it's important to get your information from the right place, right? Like 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 from me. <laughs> That's why they call you Mrs. Know It All. Right. But you know, as cinnamon, you know, as as a fungicide. No, but it's really good in coffee cake. <laughs> I, I don't know where these people come up with it. Do they like you know, have dreams and come up and oh, you can do this. You know, I have some interesting dreams, but none of that. The problem is when it gets out there, people see it, and they just, well, it was online. It must be right, and then they perpetuate it. Right, and then there's always variations of it afterwards as well. You know, some, it, it, whisper something in, you know, the ear, and then they would repeat to the next person and so on, and by the time you get to the end of it, it's the truth, but it's nothing what started out. And that's what happens with these, you know, so-called remedies. You know, I, I don't, you know, if somebody says, oh, try this, this worked for me. And you know what, at least Google it and see, you know, what is being said. And not from some crazy site where, you know, they have all the, anytime somebody says garden hacks, I just <laughs> cringe. Have you planned your garden for next year already? I'm kind of working on it. Uh, you know, I'm trying to uh, move some things because I had some disease problems last year. And, you know, so especially my beans, you know, because I always have a huge crop of beans uh, that, you know, we give away and everything. So I'm trying to see where I want to move it this And then, you know, I got... Uh, some catalogs, it's like, oh, this looks interesting. Hmm. Now, one thing, if people like zucchini, like me, I'm kind of a crazy person about it. There's one called Bossa Nova, and it is actually a um, light green uh, zucchini. So it's, it's green. It looks like zucchini, but it's just not the dark green. But it doesn't get pithy if you happen to miss it because, you know, Ooh, zucchini grows overnight from a baby to uh, the giant in your garden. And real, real quick, what are your favorite uh, beans that you grow? I grow one called emmerite, and it is a pole bean. And it's what they call a hercover. It is a very thin bean. It's very tender. And once you start picking, it keeps picking. I mean, we probably... 15, 20 pounds of beans last summer before the disease hit. And, you know, we'd go out every day with a basket and fill the basket. There's some pictures of me actually on the Internet of holding baskets of beans. Awesome. All right, Mrs. Know-It-All, thanks for all the information. Really appreciate it. Now, you can win a copy of the book we talked about earlier today. It's called The Ultimate Flower Gardener's Guide, How to Combine Shape, Color, and Texture to Create the Garden of Your Dreams by... Jen Rose Carey, Jenny Rose Carey, and all you have to do is go to DougOster.com, click on the contact button, put something in that email saying, hey, I want to win the book, and I'll pick them on just randomly on Tuesday. Uh, if you didn't get through, if you still have garden questions, just also go to DougOster.com. You can also there learn about my off-the-beaten-path Tuscany trip. That's getting close, that second one to being sold out. Uh, also check, uh, if you'd like a free packet of my three thirty nine forty five seeds, 
That's the tomato originally found on a battlefield during World War II. Uh, all sorts of other great information there at uh, DougOster.com. Now, remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. And, Rob, you're going to get another car wash here because I see it's raining out there. <laughs> <laughs> you just jinxed me. Hey, you realize we're about a month off for the home show. Oh, yeah. I'm already I'm making all sorts of plans. I have, uh, I'll tell you right now, 500 plants that we're going to use up in the Farm to Table Expo uh, at the home show. And I'm going to be there every day. And some days I'm going to be there twice a day. It's going to be fun. The home show is going to be amazing this year. All right. When he says 500, he means 500. News coming up. And then all the different types of roast. Chuck, prime rib, rump roast, pork roast, leg of lamb, and more. And I'm going to tell you about making the perfect gravy. Frank Dentisi and Icoon's Cooking Hour next. 